Hello and welcome to the Brussels to Beijing policy podcast from Platz. I'm Siobhan Hall, Platz's expert on European Union energy policy in Brussels, and I'm joined from London by European nuclear editor Ben Laveau and European power markets team leader Petra Witowski. Now the latest Hollywood blockbuster, Batman vs Superman, pits two powerful crime fighters against each other. And guess what? It's a similar story in the European power market, where two powerful climate change fighters, nuclear and renewables, are jostling for market share in pursuit of the EU's low-carbon goals. Petra, tell us more. Yes, these are Europe's two lowest-carbon power generation technologies. But the problem is that they need very different market designs to prosper. Nuclear is best at producing centralized baseload power on a large scale, while renewables are more decentralized and variable. So Ben, what does nuclear need to prosper? Well, it doesn't work in a deregulated market. That's what experiences from around the world tell us. Uh, it needs some price support. That's how France did in the 70s and 80s, and that's how China is doing it now. And, and why is that? Well, building a new nuclear plant is hard. It, it takes a long time, but it's cheap to operate for the following 60 years. But in a market where you don't know what the price will be next week, you're taking a big risk if you want to build one. So how do you find the right financing structure? And one of the biggest recent policy trends in the European power markets is a shift to more short-term trading, such as intraday and balancing markets. That's going to help the market to price wind and solar more efficiently, but it won't help baseload nuclear economics. Yes, now, this shift to shorter-term trading is a big part of the new power market design the European Commission is working on, along with more flexible demand response and more regional cooperation. The aim there is to wean renewables off their government support. But like you say, Petra, I don't see it helping nuclear very much. Uh, no, not at all. And another key market trend is not helping either, as power prices continue to fall across Europe. There are a lot of reasons for that, including the impact of more renewables, which have very low marginal costs, and they tend to drive the prices down. It all means that there's just no price signal to invest in any new power generation without government support. That's why the nuclear industry wants some sort of long-term contract mechanism, like the contract for differences to build two reactors at Hickley Point C that the UK signed with EDF. And um, how's that working out? Well, EDF keeps delaying the final investment decision, likely because of financing and risk issues. So even a 35-year long-term contract with a guaranteed price doesn't mean a new nuclear project will go ahead. It's a similar story in Eastern Europe, where governments like Poland and the Czech Republic keep delaying their plans for new nuclear. Although the sentiment from both governments does remain positive, I think it's actually falling off the priority list. Well, I see nuclear as the billionaire Batman with all his expensive gear and renewables as Superman because he fell out of the sky. Batman's been around for a long time and he needs to start refurbishing the Batcave. So how much is it going to cost to replace Europe's old nuclear fleet? As much as 500 billion euros to 2050. That's based on a report published by the European Commission this month called PINK. They tallied member states' estimates and said around 80 gigawatts of new nuclear will be needed. Two-thirds of that would be in France and the UK. And the rest would be in Eastern Europe, although as I said, I think it's becoming a lower priority there. Okay, so, so France, or rather EDF? and the UK are the big players here. I think I just found my nuclear Batman and Robin. But it does sound like they're going to need more than pluck and a handy utility belt to get out of trouble this time. 
Yes, and, and one way is to extend the 40-year lifespan of existing reactors by 10 or 20 years. This is called long-term operation, and according to Pink, it could cost 50 billion euros over the next 30 years or so. The advantage is that it would delay the need to replace plants until the 2030s. That's significant because the European power markets in the 2030s could look very different from today. Under current EU energy policy, renewables are likely to account for half of all power generation by 2030, which is nearly double the current levels, and it could potentially be more than 60% in 2050. And even if you include the lifetime extensions and new reactor bills that the European Commission estimates, the share of nuclear generation is still going to drop from 27% today to around 17 to 21% by 2050. And the total costs will be around 755 billion euros if you add the Commission's estimates on decommissioning and waste management costs. Right, 755 billion euros. So basically, the nuclear industry is facing an investment crunch in the 2030s when it's going to be paying to decommission all plant and also paying to replace them, all in a market dominated by renewables. That's why the Commission's new market design will be so focused on integrating renewables. That's where all the growth is going to be. But that 17 to 20% nuclear share in 2050 would be a significant contribution to the EU's goals to cut emission. The only alternative, unless carbon capture storage technology becomes viable, would be a fully renewable system. But you'd have to rework the entire market to have a fully renewable system. I just can't see that happening unless there's a breakthrough in storage and battery technology. Without that, the system will always need some kind of baseload power. So basically what you're both saying is that just like the Dark Knight Batman and Man of Steel Superman, nuclear renewables will have to learn how to work together. Unless the Joker in the pack, storage, changes everything. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for listening and tune in next month for more Platt's Perspectives on Policy.